nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you are in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. Welcome back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, in exploring the world of nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and um, I am very happy to do this show. I think that um, I've been kind of looking forward to doing something like it, and this is going to work out pretty well. So the, the name of our show is Bulimia, A Nurse's Story. Uh, a few years ago, I was driving down the road and I saw a billboard that said, if we treated cardiac disease and diabetes the way we treat mental health problems, there would be millions more people dead, meaning that we must acknowledge a problem and be, to be able to correct it. My first introduction to anorexia and then bulimia was from Karen Carpenter's death, and I think maybe lots of people um, first became aware of it that way. From there, I began hearing of many more, including a close friend of mine who was down to 76 pounds when I took her to a facility specializing in eating disorders. No one thought she would survive. But with incredible willpower and determination, she left the inpatient facility in two months at a weight of 105 pounds. Many of these problems are actually symptoms of deeper issues not addressed or resolved. So healing those deepest issues takes phenomenal courage and work on the part of the sufferer. You must do the work of uncovering the fear and hurt and taking steps to heal oneself. It's a very hard process. So today, um, I'm going to be talking with Andrea Palmer. She's a registered psychiatric nurse, and she is from Saskatchewan. Her husband, Mick, will also be joining us as they put together a book uh, that's really a memoir of uh, basically Andrea's uh, difficulties, but also the, the road that um, Mick had to take with her to uh, come out the other side of it. And, and that's a lot of challenge too. So Andrea, could you start by sharing a bit about your nursing background and what brought you to nursing and why why you stayed? Sure, hi Leanne. Um, hi. Yes, I, I knew from a very young age that uh, I remember being, well, maybe late elementary school, early high school, and, and I always seemed to be the problem solver. I kind of, people came to me and, and I didn't like to see turmoil and I always felt like, you know, it was kind of my job to to fix people in that way. And so then I got into high school and I still, yeah, just, I thought I'm going to be a psych nurse because I want to help people with with uh, mental struggles, not just physical struggles. Uh -huh. So I graduated from uh, psych nursing in 1994 and uh, they didn't have a lot of jobs when I graduated, so I was casual at a few places and um, then finally did get something more permanent on the psych unit, uh, acute psychiatry. And uh, then Mick came along and I met him and uh, that took me to where I live right now, Langenberg, um, very small town, about 1,300 people. And I worked... Uh, uh, some more, pardon me, some more acute psych 
um, for about seven or eight years. I worked at the uh, with the school system as a school counselor, and mo- most recently, my position is at uh, I'm in long term care, and I'm 60% there. And um, yeah, it's uh, I've had a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah, psych nursing is kind of that way. You you know, it's you can have your work in a lot of different areas. Mm-hmm. I've actually found that with nursing, the more you know about different areas, the better you can be in any one area. Um, it just, you know, uh, makes you more able to see beyond your own specialty, which is certainly important. Mick, um, she kind of brought you in there. So um, what has been your um, career journey? And then just say a little bit about connecting with uh, Adria, Andrea. Sure, sure. Hi, hi, Leah. Yeah, Andrea hi. tends to bring me into a lot of things, just such as the book and, and this interview. But anyways, my my uh, background is is in education. I have been an uh, administrator, an in-school administrator for the past 17 years, uh, and a principal of a pre-K to 12 school for the last nine. Um, I have my master's in education, so not only do I deal with uh, teenage uh, kids at school, many of who we have identified having some type of eating disorder or other mental illness. Um, my life also uh, saw some of that at home uh, with Andrea's struggles. So I saw it on many fronts. Uh, it was tough to get away from. You wake up and go to work and you see it and you come home and you see it there as well. So I have a lot of experience, but at the same time, I have a lot of empathy and compassion for those that struggle. Okay. Uh, we'll come back into some of that again, but um, uh, Andrea, if you can uh, talk a little bit more about the actual disease when you became aware that you were doing this. Did you even know what it was when you started out and then how you kind of um, progressed through coming to the point of needing to get it fixed, as you said? <laughs> yeah, well, the the earliest memories I have... Um, Let's see, I was 14 years old, and we were going on a family trip to White, and uh, I don't know what, where this thought came from, but it did. I thought, gee, maybe if I, you know, lost a few pounds before we went to Hawaii, I would look that much better in a bikini. And I had never before, uh, you know, had issues with my weight or kept track or anything like that. I was an average size, I mean, I was 110 pounds, I think, at Mm -hmm. 5'3", so I was not Mm -hmm. overweight at all. And so I kind of starved myself for like a week and just ate apples and almost passed out a few times and got to Hawaii, and then, of course, they had all these, you know, buffets and everything there, and, and I thought, well, why can't I eat? Like, this was, so anyways, I ate, and we had a fun two weeks there, and I came back, and then I noticed that so my clothes were a little bit tighter on me. So that was maybe, you know, it did definitely play a part. Um, and then I uh, ran into a friend, actually, in the washroom, and she was in a stall, and she was throwing up. And I, she came out, and I said, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Are you sick? And she said, no, I just do that sometimes when I eat too much food. So I kind of got that in my head. And I can't tell you the exact day, um, but I, I mean, 
those two situations definitely played a big part in it. And I was gaining weight from, you know, I was probably at about 125, 30. And um, still trying to be a people pleaser. And then I was worried about what people thought of my looks. Like, I mean, the need for approval was, like, Mm -hmm. very high for me. And, um, yeah, next thing you know, I found myself you know, loading up at the grocery store and, and buying $30 worth of chocolate bars and everything else. And, and of course, this was all done in secret. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a big part of the, the disease is the, you know, you, the deceit and the secrecy and the planning that goes involved. It is all involved mm-hmm. in, you know, your binges and stuff. Does that make it more exciting? Is that kind of part of the whole um, oh, issue yeah. is that you, I mean, you have a secret like nobody else a, knows? You're in a movie or something, right? And you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're some private investigator or something. And But yeah, you, you know, you, I remember you just get this feeling of euphoria over you when you're, you're at the store and you're buying all this stuff and, mm-hmm. and then you get home and it's like, perfect. My mom and dad aren't home. Nobody else home. I got the house to myself. Mm-hmm. crank on the TV or get on the phone and start eating and throwing eating. up and eating and throwing up and probably at my worst. Um, there was days where I was binging and purging about 30 times per day. Wow. And So you were at home yeah, for four years at least during that time from 14 until you went into nursing school. Um, did your parents notice anything? Did they start asking questions or... Yeah, good question. And I actually, I actually lived with them till I was twenty nine. So okay, <laughs> it's a little bit longer. My dad <laughs> okay. said, you know, yeah, he was making jokes. Anyways, um, yeah, I kind of told them when you know the the Christmas baking that my mom did. Uh, I kept taking it out of the freezer, and then they were like, I was like, oh, I'm going to get busted here, you know. And and uh, anyways, I told them and. They really didn't know what to do um, because they never saw it. Right. They never saw it, right? Um, when we were eating as, as like a family supper or something, um, if there's lots of people over, I'm like, great. They won't notice how many plates I've taken of food. And mm-hmm. my parents are talking with all their friends. They won't note the amount of visits I'd, I've had to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they knew, but it, then it was like they didn't. They're like, how are you doing? And I would always say I'm fine, you know. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, with bulimia, you you can't, they're, they're very hard to spot, bulimics, because not really overweight, not underweight, and everything's done in secret. And then how about school? Were you able to maintain grades and, and um, do the other things that you were, you know, most kids do in, in high school? Or did that change? Yeah. It was, um, so I entered the um, diploma program for psych nursing and mm-hmm. your program full-time. And I had decided I would take it three years part-time. The first year, I mean, I was, um, you know, still working part-time and, and you know, didn't realize the seriousness. Like, hey, I'm paying for this now. This is my career. 
It's not mm-hmm. high school. And I um, I failed a couple classes, and I just got so far behind, and I was getting sick quite a bit. Like, my immune mm-hmm. system wasn't good. Sure. So yeah. I had one of the, my instructors actually say, you know, maybe you should, like, call her quits, you know, and go get some help. And that almost made me want to want to complete my my nursing diploma more. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And um, I, I mean, graduated with a 92% average. And um, it's really, it's really strange because I look back and even when I was writing this story, Leanne, it's like, how was I able to do that? Mm-hmm. To, be, to be a nurse, put my nursing face on. And I was always genuine. I can say that for sure. Um, that I was a genuine, you know, and I would say a good nurse, a good psych nurse. And I heard that from lots of of clients and coworkers, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then it was like I was these two different people, you know. And nursing was, my shift was over or whatever. And and then I go home and I just, it's like you're in this zone, you know. And, um, yeah. Like I said, writing it, I'm like, what? Was that really me? Did I really mm-hmm. do those things? We're um, uh, getting a little bit closer to um, a break, but uh, I think uh, you're breaking up just a little bit, so I think we'll go ahead and take that break now and see if the engineers can help us out a little bit. And okay. uh, when we come back, maybe, uh, Mick, we could talk a little bit about um, you know, what you started to see and how that impacted you and your relationship. We'll be right back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. If you're just joining us, we're talking about bulimia, a nurse's story. And I'm here with uh, Andrea Parmar and her husband, Mick, who wrote a book called uh, Alone in a Crowd. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Hi, this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing, and I'm Leanne Meyer. If you're just joining us now, we're talking about the uh, bulimia, a nurse's story, and I'm here with Andrea and Mick Parmar. They've written a book together called Alone in the World, and it's basically Andrea's memoir, but because of being married and together for a long period of time, it's also Mick's story. So, Mick, could you tell us a little bit about when you and Andrea got together uh, and wh- what, what and when did you first start to notice something was, was odd? Well, I guess just like most uh, relationships, we, we met and, and uh, we fell in love. Um, you know, there's physical attraction, there's personality attraction, and, and that was no different for us. Um, you know, we started our relationship in a very positive manner. Um, and by falling in love. Uh, but it was a few months in that, um, you know, I started noticing some little strange eating behaviors, perhaps, you know, every time we ate and shortly afterwards, she'd go to the bathroom almost like clockwork and, and that sort of stuff. And, and then we did, had a discussion and she told me that, um, you know, she had an eating disorder and that she was bulimic, but she was going to try uh, really hard to, to stop and I was very naive about, you know, any type of eating disorder, let alone uh, bulimia. Um, the only thing I really knew is I've heard it on, you know, an entertainment show that, uh, you know, an actress or a model uh, has suffered with bulimia or, or anorexia and, and the purpose was, I guess, to lose weight. That's about all I knew. And, um, you know, I didn't see any reason for knowing anymore because, um at the time, she told me, you know, she it was just a habit she was doing for a bit to lose some weight, and she would soon not be doing it anymore. Uh, fast forward uh, about another six months, year, and as our relationship got more serious, uh, you know, I started to notice even more, and um, I realized this was not just, the, you know, a habit that like exercising or going running that you do for for losing weight. This this turned out to be more, um, and so. I started to take it kind of personally. Uh, I started to, um, you know, ask her to stop. And then after asking her to stop didn't work, I started telling her to stop. Mm-hmm. Once telling her to stop didn't work, I started demanding her to stop. Well, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, none of that worked. Um, you know, I, it, it was it was you know months later that I realized 
that I would also need to change my mindset. Um, this isn't, uh, eating disorders aren't something that, you know, a partner or a child or a friend is doing to hurt you. Um, so you can't take it personally. You know, it's, it's something that's there because of some type of mental illness. Um, you know, whatever is missing out of their life, um, whether it's, um, you know, for Andrea, it was mostly something that was there, I guess. She was, she was very much a, a people pleaser in every aspect of her life. She always had very high standards for herself, almost like a perfectionist. Um, and until she, and, and if there, you know, and if in her family or her friends, if there was any kind of friction, it was, she always felt like she had to solve it. So she put so much pressure on herself to um, make things right for everybody else that she kind of forgot to take care of herself. And I think that stress uh, came out in an eating disorder for her. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, and, and so for me, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, um, was there one more point you want to make there? Yeah. I, I interrupted for, for me, you. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. For, for me, I, I had to realize that it wasn't about the food. The food wasn't the enemy. I couldn't say, you know what, uh, it's either me or the food or, or we're done. Um, so I, I had to ch- change my mindset before I, I could help her. Uh, I couldn't expect her to change uh, in an instant because there is no uh, pill, there is no counselor that can make this go away in, in a day or a week. It, it's a very right. long process of, of, of Andrea, in, in our case, changing. That says a lot about mindset. you, Mick, that you were able to have that kind of, you know, back up and realize that what you were doing wasn't working and that you were going to have to try something else. Um, Andrea, can you tell us a little bit from your psych background, um, what's really going on for somebody who's suffering from an eating disorder? Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I mean, eating disorders are one of the most complex mental illnesses out there um you know there's 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 it's not it's not cut and dry and um you know when i was when i was working as a psych nurse um and i worked i worked with you know with some anorexics not a lot because if they got too bad they went to the a different unit a medical unit right um but you know i i found myself talking with them and them saying, wow, it's like I, I, like you really know what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, ah, uh, yeah, I do. I really do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess that during that time, because I was still suffering, um, you know, some of it, some of it is, is like kind of a blur. Like I wasn't. I was grounded when I needed to be when I was doing my job. But, you know, we talk about being grounded and there was so much of my life during that that period that I was not grounded. And Mm -hmm. conversations were going on, like I say, alone in a crowd. Mm -hmm. You know, you could be in a room full of people and still feel alone. Mm -hmm. Um, But the nursing part, uh, like, yeah, that requires... I mean, we had people that were on the psych unit, and I can honestly say from experience that 
someone that is suffering, well, definitely with, you know, with anorexia and, and bulimia, it, inpatient uh, services are the best. I mean, if it's that, it's kind of reached, for me, it reached that point where going to see a counselor once a week for an hour wasn't going to cut it. Right. And, yeah, I needed to really, like, Kate, you know, everybody says, well, why? Why are you doing this? You know, that's a big question, right? It's a good question, I think, too, because that is the question people ask. And I'm thinking, you mentioned that it's one of the most complex uh, mental health issues um, that could be what what are what's going on underneath the surface? Is it something that's happening in the brain? Is it a medical issue? What what is it that's happening for that person that wants to stop and just can't? Yeah, and there's, I mean, genetics play a little bit, you know, a little bit of a part in it. I don't know exactly what the, you know, the rates are, but um, here's an example. Uh, so my first time at Bridgepoint, I went and there's 13. Do you want to say what Bridgepoint is? Sorry, um, Bridgepoint Center for Eating Disorders. Now that's located in in Saskatchewan, in one of the smallest towns I've ever been in. I think there's 120 people there, <laughs> and it's an old hospital that they made into. You know, they said the board said, "What are the needs here?" and and you know, someone said let's make it an inpatient eating disorder clinic. So that's what they did. And um, it's, you know, one of the few in Western Canada. Like I, you know, I owe my life to them. I can't say enough good about the facility. So so there we were and it was day one and went around, did our introductions and, you know, oh, hi, my name is this and, you know, my name is that. And I was, I was sexually abused, you know, when I was five, and and then the next person would talk, and oh yeah, I was physically and sexually molested, and I thought, mm. oh my god, and out of all thirteen of us, I was the only one that wasn't sexually abused. Really, and I found that kind of odd. <laughs> huh. And. Um, exploring that a little bit more, um, you know, I won't say too much. There's, I have some in my book, but uh, I guess I can say that, you know, what what the risk factors are for developing an eating disorder. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you're, if your mom or dad has had an eating disorder, the chance, the risk goes up for you. If mom and dad were alcoholic, the risks go, go up for you. Um, definitely if there was any sort of abuse, um, that goes up for you. So they kind of, they kind of just know exactly like what, what things will increase your, your chances. I mean, you don't just, you don't just wake up one morning and say, oh, I think I'm going to be bulimic, right? Right. Um, you know, I mean, it's whether it's a life experience that you had, um, you know, conflict at home, and, you know, the pressures to be slim, uh, lots of people that are involved in sports, like, well, like ballet. Ballet's got to be one of the, I, I mean, highest, because, I mean, everything is, your body is viewed for everything, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I, I haven't seen very many ballerinas that are 
you know, average weight. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and, and just, yeah, like low self-esteem, anxiety, um, you know, people pleasing. And um, I, yeah. And then after all that, you say, okay, so I know what caused it. And then what? Yeah, exactly. I mean, one one thing you had said right? um, like, earlier. Go ahead. Yeah, we kind of, you know, you get to a point where it's like, okay, well, I know what caused it, but just because I know that, it doesn't make it go away. Mm-hmm. Like, I still have to do the work now. And, um, yeah, it um, requires a, a lot of patience. Um from a nursing perspective, you know, I would say to to nurses dealing with people with eating disorders, it's yeah, it's a very very slow, gradual process, and you really got to develop that rapport, um, you know, with your patient that's struggling. Uh, I mean, these these people probably don't trust a lot, um, and. Just peel back the layers and get to mm-hmm. what's really going on. So it's like, mostly the talk therapy the then? Andrea, is it mostly talk therapy that you would be doing? Um, yeah, we did at Bridgepoint, yeah, and it was three weeks. So we did creative expressions. We did with art and stuff. And, um, and then, like, we had the best facilitators. You know, they came from, you know, all over Canada and... Um, I'm not sure if I should talk about the four A's right now or if I should leave it for another question. Yeah, let's let's leave that for a minute. But um, I was thinking what I've heard before that people talk about, it's about control, that especially if somebody feels out of control. And that was quite a while ago when they were talking about that. Is that something that's no longer considered true or is that still part of it? It's absolutely true. And okay. it is still part of it. And I mean I'm I'm speaking I'm speaking for myself, but I'm also speaking for the people that I met in my life um, mm-hmm. that that were struggling and it's 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 kind of like like this may sound a little odd, you know, for people that don't know a lot about eating disorders or it, it was like I was saying, Okay, you know what? Ha ha. I'm going to get away with this. I, I mm. can control how much I want to, food I want. I mm-hmm. can control how much I'm going to eat. And I can control getting rid of it. And no mm-hmm. one knows my secret. Yeah. You know? And so then it, you it, must find yourself lying to people or oh, stretching geez. the truth. Yeah, or? I told so many lies. And, um, you know, I. I kind of, I asked for forgiveness from a few people in my book. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, um, I, I, I did. I'm going to get teared up. I don't know if I'm allowed oh. to. <laughs> well, let's, just, let's go to I'll Mick here for a the, minute. Uh, Mick, um, what did you see as far as, you know, usually when somebody's lying to you, you know something's not right, but you don't know exactly what's wrong. Was that something you experienced? Yes, yeah, for sure. Like, and then that's there. There, there was many moments of you know lying, deceit, and and basically me feeling like I was second best to to food and her disorder. Um, mm-hmm. I I would say the line though 
like Andrea is such a honest and such a um, you know personable and empathetic and compassionate person in every other area of her life. But when it mm-hmm. came to her eating disorder, she was deceitful. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference. It does. You're not deceitful in the rest of your life. Hmm. It it was just about the control and 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 finding that moment to do to express her 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 pain, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of her life, whether it's it's with family or friends or myself or now her kids, uh, it's she's so compassionate, empathetic, honest, all mm-hmm. those things. But when it came to just that small segment of her life, which consumed her, though, mm-hmm. she was she was very deceitful. Mm-hmm. And that would be about the time you were saying, you know, suggesting that she should quit it and uh, and up to demanding that she quit it. So when you realized that wasn't working, what 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 happened from there? Are you at the point then that you're thinking, I made a big mistake? What do we yeah, do now? You know, I think... I think, and I, this is for those that have family members that that struggle. You know, it, you know, you go through a natural process yourself. Um, I think it's it's pretty natural to feel or fear for your loved one and mm-hmm. do anything possible to to try to fix it. Um, but in the end, you can you you can support, but you can't fix it for them, and you you have to be careful not to also enable it because some people will swing the other way that they'll do anything to try to help make it go away. Whether that I've, I've talked to people at, at the bridge point when we spoke there, um, that they would run to the convenience store for their loved one in the middle of the night, just to show that they supported them to go buy some junk food for them. Well, that's wow. taking it too far, right? Uh, because you, you, you're crossing the line into enabling the whole cycle of, of, of the eating disorder. So, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a very um, ever-changing or evolving process for, for the partners as well. Um, and, yeah, you just can't take it personally and, and uh, remember that the person that you love is, is still there. And it's, they're mm-hmm. mostly there. So try not to focus <laughs> on, the one, yeah. on the one little thing that's causing the pain in the relationship. Right. We're um, coming up against a break again, and I'm just thinking this might be a good place to take a break, and uh, and then we can come back and talk a little bit more about what it, what's the good news about um, this disease, and um, maybe Andrea, you can share with us a little bit about what what was like the break point that said I have to take care of this. I can't keep going on. So this is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. I'm Leanne Meyer. I'm here today with Andrea and Mick Parmar from Saskatchewan. And Andrea has written a memoir about her story of having bulimia. And the book is called uh, Alone in a Crowd. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. 
Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing, and I am Leanne Meyer. Our topic today, we're talking about bulimia, a nurse's story, and I'm here with Andrea and her husband, Mick, to talk about a book that they just wrote or that they've been writing for a while and is just coming out now called Alone in a Crowd, and it's pretty amazing. Even just the front cover of it tells a lot of the story. Um, someone behind a mask and, and um, the mask is beautiful, but you can realize that it's covering something very sad. So um, can you tell us a little bit, Andrea, about was there a turning point for you when you realized this was not going to work, that you had to make some changes that you couldn't fool people anymore? Um, yeah, and I think I had that moment about 50 times. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's so that's where it's different than, you know, drug or alcohol, right? So mm-hmm. with drugs and alcohol, I mean, that's they remove them. And mm-hmm. you, you go to rehab right. and your your success is based on how many days sober you are, right? Mm-hmm. With eating disorders, it's a little bit different. And I I just tried to be mindful and open my mind 
the first time I went, um, I restricted. So I did some of that too. Like, you know, the either throwing up or I would do kind of the anorexia thing. So I restricted. And I, so after three weeks, I thought I did good, you know, mm-hmm. because I didn't throw up. As soon mm-hmm. as I got home, went mm-hmm. right back into the cycle. And, um, I mean, you can't remove the food, right? You can remove drugs from the equation, right. but you can't remove food. Like, you need, you need food to live, right? Right. And, yeah, the second time was a little bit more, and I thought, okay. And then the third time, I thought, well, me, they say third time is a charm. <laughs> and yeah. I just knew that I was slowly changing. My mindset was changing. I was being more mindful of, and that's what they encouraged us to do. If They said, you know, if you do one thing different in a day, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, that can be your goal. And being mindful and just, you know, seeing that there's this whole world going on and you're missing a lot of it because you're so caught up in your food. I mean, right. you go to bed thinking of food, you wake up thinking of food, and there are so many other things in this world. So it, it kind of gradually happened, to answer your question, Leanne, it kind of gradually happened, um, you know, over time. And then, like, I can't even... Can't even and can't even say the the day that I really stopped, but I mean I know it was it was decreasing the frequency was decreasing. Um, I wasn't thinking about food as much as I used to. I was just trying to be like be in the moment, just being right. Mm-hmm. And I mean I want to get pregnant. We were married. Uh-huh. And, I mean there was a reason mm-hmm. why I wasn't getting pregnant because my body wasn't healthy enough. So, you know, I did get pregnant, and even though I had put the behavior on the shelf, then that's a whole, you know, new set of worries, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to gain weight, and how's that going to be, and am I going to revert back to my old ways, because a lot of people do, or, you know, go to alcohol or some some other thing, Um, but yeah, I know people that have reverted you know and uh, what was the one thing that helped you the most I know Mick was really involved in your whole process was there one thing that he did or said that was most helpful to you because so many times when you're in a relationship you say the wrong thing what was helpful well you know that's a while ago and I mean yeah like he he wasn't always (laughs) He mentioned, I mean, you know, he was, after catching me in so many lies, it's kind of hard for, you know, him to be, it's okay, honey, and, you know, it was kind of like, but when he learned more about what it was really all about, and speaking with other, you know, families, and, and it's not, like, don't take it personal, and I think he just, just in a roundabout way, I mean, wasn't, well, how do I say this? He wasn't being the the food police as much, you know. <laughs> yeah. So kind of as my, yeah, because he said I felt like he felt like the food police, you know. and um, But I think he's just, you know, I can honestly say that he has believed in me. Um, this is where I'm getting a little teary. Sorry, Leanne. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. I'll just... 
I'll just yeah, Matt, can you like, say what you, um, I don't, you started I don't, to I don't notice? I don't think there is a, a one moment where you say, boom, now I'm cured. Or I think it, it's a, it was an evolving process for her over many, many years. And for myself, uh, it was an evolving process, process of me uh, going from spying on her Pretending uh-huh. to leave for work and peeking in the the dining room window to watch her pull food out of the out of the uh, the cupboard, and then trying to catch her. To uh, you know what, this is something that if I love her, I'm going to have to give her some space. I know she's making positive steps forwards. Yes, maybe two forward and one back, but she's making progress. And mm-hmm. so I had to be. I think the biggest thing a partner can do is 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 be patient. And and just talk. We used to have a lot of check-ins. Mm-hmm. We'd have daily check-ins. How, you know, how are you doing? How, how are things for you today? And I had to be okay with the answer because if she told me, well, I threw up three times today, I couldn't get mad mm-hmm. because that wasn't helping. So it's a really slow evolution mm-hmm. of, of, of moving from a very unhealthy mindset, um, not only for her but our relationship, to a more healthy um, mindset for herself and our relationship mm-hmm. best way you know we can put it I think yeah there were some things um, Andrea that you said you wanted to share with um, the nurses um, do you want to talk about that now yeah sure <clears throat> well the one um, one of the facilitators that that came to um, Bridgepoint um, the eating disorder clinic I thought he was really cool. He was there um, from Vancouver, and he was a heroin addict recovering. And I remember my first thought was, okay, what does this guy know about eating disorders, right? <laughs> and, um, yeah. well, it turns out he kind of knew a lot because <laughs> just another, you know, that was his his vice or whatever. His addiction was the heroin. You know, mine was eating and throwing up, right? But he talked about, and these these have stuck in my head, and I use them um, at work, speaking with other patients. So he talked about the four A's of recovery, and this goes for any type of recovery from whatever. So, you know, there's awareness. So you you yourself are aware that there's a problem, and then then comes acknowledgement. So you tell someone that you have, you know, this is going on for me. I think I need help. And this is where a lot of people get stuck is because they're aware of it, they acknowledge it, but until they accept it, they won't take action. And that's, I was stuck. I was stuck between acknowledgement and I hadn't accepted it. Just because you tell somebody I'm bulimic, doesn't make it go away. Mm-hmm. And so that's from a nursing standpoint, um, you know, nurses that are working. And I know the numbers are going up, sadly. Um, I have was, a lot of statistics. Is there a fourth A? Um, I, I think I only heard three A's. Is there a fourth one? Um, action. Oh, action. Yeah. Taking so some action. Awareness, acknowledgement, and then once you accept it, you'll take action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you won't take okay. action until you accept it. And and, and yeah, sorry, the other thing was even for Andrea to go to Bridgepoint, the eating disorder clinic, 
that was still kind of part of the acceptance stage. She knew she had a problem. She was she was taking some initial action, but mm-hmm. until the action becomes a part of your daily life, mm-hmm. you truly aren't in the action phase of, of, of recovery. That's right. That's a good point. Yeah. So... Yeah, so um, what other things did you want the nurses to know? Um, well, so, you know, just mental illness in general, um, Leanne, because, you know, most people when they they talk about mental illness, the first thing that comes to mind is, you know, depression or schizophrenia or something. It's It's usually not an eating disorder. And mm-hmm. eating disorders are a mental illness. Um, and I've always been a, a huge advocate of mental health. And uh, not saying that, you know, the, uh, the registered nurses out there aren't. I mean, every person is different, right? But, um, you know, just kind of doing those, those check-ins. And, um, like, if they're specifically dealing, you know, with an anorexic or something... Just, you know, take, don't talk about food, don't talk about, and, it, and it's hard because with anorexics, when they get so low, they, it's all about the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And which is like, they tell us through therapy and everything, forget the numbers. But when you get that sick. You mean you like, like numbers, weight right? numbers or what are you, what are yeah. you referring to? Yeah. yeah so it's almost like a numbers. sense of pride that you're you have lower weight than somebody else. Oh, the yeah, and that and you know the anorexia is very like it's it's the number one cause of uh mortality right now in adolescence in and that's in North America. And I was wow. really shocked when I found out that statistic. Um, yeah, like the, the numbers are getting, the numbers are getting higher and it's, it's, it's really scary. Um, so just, I don't know, uh, always explore, you know, someone's mental health and if they suspect that someone has an eating disorder, or maybe they're in the hospital for a different reason, but they suspect it, um, don't be afraid to come out and in, you know, in a nice, very gentle way, you know, kind of get on to the topic. Because um, most people, you know, they'll just say, no, I'm fine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if They're hard, Leanne. There's no easy yeah. way to say it. They're, anorexics are very easy to spot, of course. And they right. don't live yeah. very, very long. But bulimia, yeah. you can have bulimia for decades Mm-hmm. And no you're eating just know. enough to stay alive, but not enough yeah. to be healthy. So yeah. we have so like about th- two minutes left. And I'm wondering if each of you could say something that, you know, is like your final thing that you really want to get out there. Sure. I, I can start, I guess. Uh, for me, the biggest awareness was that, of course, uh, you know, eating disorders are a mental illness. Um, so you have to treat it no different than you would, uh, you know, partner with depression. Um, you, you know, perhaps there are some medications that would help, whether it's antidepressant or something else. So consult your doctor um, and, and other uh, specialized intake facilities to get help. So counseling and, and, and medical support is, is very important. Um, 
uh, from a partner's perspective, you know, um, be patient. Um, remember, this is the person that you fell in love with, and it, it's still them. It's just that they're, they're, they're sick, and, and it, it's no different if they had pneumonia or if they broke a leg or if they have cancer. Um, this is an illness, and you wouldn't turn your back on someone just because you found out they had cancer. Um, so you don't turn your back on someone because they have an eating disorder. And so I think, um, you know, that's the biggest message as a, as a partner that I would give is, um, you know, take your own ego out of it uh, and uh, remember that um, they're not doing it to hurt you. Um, right. The best thing you can do is be patient and, and support them. Andrea, what would you like to and share? <clears throat> Okay, I think this might be fitting because this is where I came up with the title for my book. And uh-huh. It's a very short poem. It's called Alone in a Crowd. And this mm. is in my book. In a crowd, I'm all alone. A smile I show to set the tone. Words are spoken, which I don't hear. I nod to agree to avoid the fear. I worry about things I like to hide. To tell the truth would disturb the tide. This was my way for many years, and the feelings inside have brought many tears. But now I am present when I'm in a crowd. I talk and laugh. I am finally allowed. My journey continues with each waking day. One step at a time has become my new way. Wow, that's beautiful. Do you know who the author is? The author is me. <laughs> oh, you wrote that. Oh, my gosh, that's I fantastic. That. Yes, oh, I wrote I, that. I I have about five or six poems within my book. And oh, that's never great. been that much of a poet, but I just, I don't know, just came up with these and they just started writing. It is even very was, good. It's very good. I think it's really great. We are just out of time now, and I am so glad that both of you were able to join us here. I think um, both of you added something to the whole story. Um, I just want to again reinforce that mental illness has been uh, something that has been pushed into the corner and into the uh, the cellar and the attic for too long. And it's time for us to really help people bring forth those things that are so personal and so hurting for them just by giving support, encouragement, and love. So thank you so much for listening to this story of uh, a bulimia, a nurse's story with um, Andrea and Mick Parmar and their book, uh, Alone in a Crowd. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.